We are in the middle of a sermon series where we have been looking at the question, did God really say that? Um, and so if you missed earlier weeks, you can always go to renfrewbaptist.ca and check out those previous services. Um, so in the sermon series, we explored the cultural beliefs uh, that leave us asking that question. And here's the spoiler. The answers have always been no. God did not say that. So the first cultural belief, misbelief, was it doesn't matter what you believe as long as your beliefs are sincere and you have faith. And so the question in all of that was like, all, all religions, aren't they all the same? Well, no, that's not the case. We might all be pursuing truth. We might all be pursuing beauty. Those things are the same. But unfortunately, God never said that it doesn't matter what you believe. Um, what you believe matters. And what we believe as Christians is that putting your trust and faith in Jesus is available to all and to everyone, which is good news. Now, week two was God wants you to be happy. Above all else, kind of like that Sheryl Crow song, if it makes you happy, I won't continue to sing, um, but you know that song, maybe. Um, God wants you to be happy. Well, he never said that. Now, don't get us wrong. He desires for people to have joy and abundance in life. God desires to bless us. But that doesn't necessarily mean, above all else, pursue happiness. And then last week, we looked at uh, that one that so many people so wrongly attribute to God, which is, God will never give you more than you can handle. And the truth is, God never said that. Sometimes life throws way more at you than you expect, and it's difficult and it's hard. And we need to learn to ask for help, first from God and also from others, um, and that we're not supposed to do this on our own. Like Pastor Matt mentioned earlier, this is not a season to go alone. Um, and God never said that life would be easy, but he did give us an opportunity in the space to escape the temptations that come our way. Now today we're going to look at a very dangerous and a very serious and difficult uh, topic, and so it's a bit heavy, so I thought we might start off by being a little bit uh, more casual and having a little bit of fun, all right? So here's what I'd like you to do, and everyone needs to participate, all right? So if you're thinking, uh, it's just me on my iPad, I'm still talking to you, let's all participate, all right? So this is what we're going to do, just look around at each other, uh, maybe there's someone to your left or right or whichever direction you're thinking that is, um, and then now once you've assessed where everyone is, and if it's just you, well, you can look at me or you could look at yourself, either works. Now, at the count of three, I want you to point to the one that looks like the biggest sinner, all right? Oh, you had already started to point at, at Matt even before you knew what I was going to say. So yeah, count of three, one, two, three, point. <laughs> All right, I, I can feel from the distance through the Wi-Fi that there might be some fingers that were pointing at me. That hurts. Uh, that hurts me deeply. <laughs> um, um, we, in culture, are not supposed to do that. We never, we don't point the finger and say, sinner. We don't do that. Uh, look at you over there, you sinner. No way. Honestly, that's just not what we do. 
Um, and that's reasonable, I would say. Yes, of course. Um, but just picture this. Like, you're minding your own business, doing your own thing, and then it's like, hey, Trent, yes? You are a sinner. Sinner, sinner, sinner. And then I'm like, Mom, that is not nice. No, my mom never actually said that. Sorry, Mom, making jokes about that. You're actually great. We know that already. But there's that thing where in culture today, it's completely unacceptable for us to say that someone else uh, has done a sin or has sinned. Uh, to ever make that claim that something else is wrong feels taboo, which leads us to the cultural belief that we are going to explore today. Um, that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what you do. We just mind each other's business. Mind, don't mind each other's business and just stay out of each other's way. But the truth is, is that God never said that. What we do matters. Um, what we're, our actions have consequences. These things matter. Uh, so God never said that. Um, but I know that there are so many times in my own life that I wish that God had said that. Imagine being able to go through life without any real moral consequences, right? Without any compass directing your way, just free to do whatever you want and go where you want, when you want, say and do whatever you want, uh, just to be free. Well, I don't know. This is, so this is not an easy topic. Um, nobody wants to talk about sin, especially on Mother's Day. We did not plan this out, mothers, just so you know. This wasn't strategic um, in that sense. Nobody wants to be first to look at it. Uh, writer and author Andrew Murray, he said this about sin. Uh, One great power of sin is that it blinds men so that they do not recognize its true character. If sin can stay hidden even inside of religion, um, then it's content. It enjoys to not be uncovered, to not be unearthed, for it to not be poked at and looked at. If sin could just fall to the wayside and never be acknowledged, then it would be very happy. And sometimes it feels like we would be happy too. Um, we might try to minimize it, soften it, talk around it. For example, if you just look at one of the categories, something like uh, honesty, all right, so we like to dance around it. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a lie. It's, it's mostly true. Uh, it's not a lie. I, I just let her draw her own conclusions, and I, I just didn't fill in the gaps. It's not a lie. I was speaking in hyperbole. It's not an actual lie. It's just spin. It's just being clever, you know, and look at the outcome. This, it's, the outcome is worth it, isn't it? You know, we do these things. We just, we don't want to call things what they really are. Or look at sexual purity as an example. Uh, my, my use of adult entertainment isn't hurting anyone. Those people on the screen, they don't mind. This doesn't affect me. I could stop at any time, but I choose not to. My, my spouse probably doesn't care if they were to find out. I'm sure they wouldn't care. It's just one night. It's, it's just a, a small, tiny affair. It's nothing major. And that's how we treat it sometimes. This is an uncomfortable topic. But when we take a look at the biblical story, the entire story seriously, 
we cannot ignore the reality and the presence of sin. We see that actions do matter. Our behavior has consequences. Even the actions that we believe hurt no one. Even in our faith communities, it's pretty hard and it's getting harder for us to mention that there are some things that are wrong. You know, pastor, please just tell me something that makes me feel better, helps me get through my day. Please don't help me think about those dark or those deep things that are actually going on in my life. Uh, Second Timothy says this, uh, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. But like it or not, sin is real and it has earthly consequences and it has damning eternal consequences as well. So here we are. This is the topic. Let's get into it. Uh, before we do this, I just love to pray. So let, if you could just pray with me about where we're headed and the conversation we're about to have. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, I just ask for your grace and your mercy. I ask for your wisdom. I ask that you would shine a light on our lives, that we could see more clearly the truth of what's going on in our own lives and in the lives around us, and that ultimately that would lead to our great and deep freedom. Jesus, there is such good news at the end of this bad news about sin. But Lord, I just ask that you would help us not push this to the side and just jump to the end because, Lord, we need to look deeply and honestly at what's going on in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I just pray that you would help us hear what we need to hear today. Amen. So we're just going to explore a couple of beliefs about sin that are not true. Uh, the first one is, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. You're, you're not. We're not. You know, what is bad? Come on, anyways. Like, let's just not use that. Let's not think about that. But it's common for us to want to diminish that, to not think of ourselves as a bad person. Now, if we look into John 1, 8, it says this very simply, very clearly. If we claim to be without sin, in other words, if we say that we're not a bad person, we've not done wrong, the truth is not in us. Now, if we compare ourselves to other people, so this is one aspect, if we compare ourselves to other people, we might be tempted to say, I'm not really that bad because we can always find someone worse. There's always someone else out there that we could compare ourselves to, and then we feel a little bit better about ourselves. We look around and we say, okay, clearly I'm not like him, or I'm not like her. Okay, I am okay. I've compared myself to the worst case scenarios, and I am better than that. That makes me good. But that's just, when we do that, we just find ourselves falling deeper and deeper into comparison. So now comparison might protect me, protect all of us from being honest with ourselves. We love it. And it does not sound lovely. I mean, for us to be able to look at someone and say, okay, according to that standard, I'm doing pretty good. That feels, that feels nice. That feels good. It's kind of comfortable and safe. But of, com of course, comparison has some serious side effects. 
Not only does comparison keep me from looking inwardly at my own life, uh, it also simultaneously helps me to develop some suspicion, maybe some anxiety, anger, envy, depression. Uh, Theologian Karen Powell puts this really well. Compare leads to despair. Compare leads to despair. So when we compare ourselves to others to judge whether we're good or not, we have anxiety, anger, suspicion, fear, loss of empathy and compassion, and despair show up. But I know a lot of us, we would rather have all of that in our lives as long as we can continue to tell ourselves that our actions don't matter and that we're actually okay people. Here's the thing. If you've decided that your standard is other people, then your only option is compare. But if you let your standard be God's, passages like in Romans, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we hear a passage like that, when we come to understand God's standard, then instantly it's like, okay, wow, it is evident and clear that I have fallen off course, that I've sinned, that I am not very good. So we pull back and we say, you know what, maybe comparisons a little is okay. Or, or you could decide that your standard is you, right? How you feel, how you might be thinking. And you might think to yourself, well, this is actually integrity, right? I'm being true to myself. I'm evaluating the rightness of my life and my actions based on myself. But the challenge is, is that emotions are fickle. Our opinions and interests, our motives, they shift and change. Uh, when we are deeply honest with ourselves, we come to actually realize we love deceiving ourselves, probably more than anyone else. I know that's the case for me. There's this part of me that is so desperate to be okay that I'll even deceive myself. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? If you let your heart be the only compass for what is right and what is wrong, uh, you'll see how this plays out in several years from now. You might break a vow. You might uh, change your course and make things different and new because your feelings, your opinions change. So it might feel authentic at this now moment for you to leave, leave your spouse or take that risk you know you're not supposed to because it, it might seem right. People, including yourself, are not the standard to which we have our actions judged. When we compare ourselves to a holy and perfect God, we, I find that I am messed up, screwed up, that there's brokenness, and that we are, in fact, all together bad people. You know, someone like David, he figured this out when he, he penned this in Psalms 51, that, that line that says, like, against you and you alone have I sinned. He figured this out that in the standards put in front of him, when we allow God's way to be what we look at, 
we are fully exposed for who we are. That we are hurting, broken sinners. You know, a simple question you could ask yourself is, have I, have I ever told a lie? Mm, yes. <laughs> have you ever stolen something? Have you ever looked lustfully at somebody? These things hurt God. These things are deviations from the path that God has for all of humanity. They hurt him and they ultimately they hurt us. We find ourselves, when we are honest, to be lying, thieving, broken people. Welcome to Renfrew Baptist Church, where we're here to make you feel better about yourself. But the truth is, is that when we are honest about this, that we're not good people, that we are sinful at our core, that when we look into something like Romans 3, 10, and it says that no one is righteous, not even one, you're not, I'm not, there's actually a, a hidden beauty in this acknowledgement. Because whether you believe it or not doesn't change what Scripture says about our actions and our behaviors, and that actions truly matter. When I look at my own life, and when I evaluate the decisions that I make, I cannot help but see that according to God's standard, I have fallen way off. And when we've done that, only, the only options we have is to either stay in that place or to change, and to accept the need that we have for a savior. So this misconcept, this number one challenge to think that I'm not a bad person, we need to evaluate this. Because in fact, we have done bad things. We have made wrong choices. We have acted in ways that have hurt ourselves, hurt others, hurt God. And how many times do you have to do something wrong before you are, you've done, you, you've become a sinner. It doesn't take more than one. It's just one time. And so here we find ourselves. And the temptation when we are in this place and when we reflect and when we can feel down on ourselves and please don't switch off or turn off or walk away from this because when we look closely at the truth and we see this, it hurts. That's true. And there's a temptation I find this temptation exists in my life often is that when we've made a misstep, when we've sinned, when we've done a wrong action, that the next lie, the second thing I want to address is that we think this, since I've already done it, I might as well keep doing it. Have you ever thought that? Has that ever crossed your mind? It has for me. Since, since I've already done it, I, I might as well just keep doing it. This is a huge lie, and we need to change the way we think about this. That if you've already done it, you might as well keep doing it. And we can think of the list. I can think that there would be so many of us that would agree with this challenge. When you think of, when I look into Scripture, um, and when I look into Romans, uh, we see that in Romans 6, 1, there is this one passage. And before I get to it, I just... When we think that if I've sinned, I've messed up, it doesn't matter anymore, Paul really addresses this in a, in a strong way. Uh, in Romans 6, 1, 
it says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Friends, this is so critical for us is that when we, when we mess up, when we fall down, when we sin, when we go a way that we don't uh, want to go or even if we wanted to go that way and we start to recognize that this is not God's way, there's a temptation for us to just say, oh, I've already screwed up, I may as well continue. But this is not the good life. This is not the way that God designed it. This is not how it's supposed to be. And when we believe that lie, it hurts us. You know, to think that, well, I've cheated, so I may as well just keep on. Or if I've looked at it once, I may as well keep looking. Or I've said this one lie, I may as well keep lying. No, today can be the day where that stops where you break the cycle of that pattern of sin, where you say no to it once and for all and you just let it go and you be free. The people that are probably saddest in this world are Christians who choose to continue to live in sin because they know what is good. They know the forgiveness that's available. They know the love of the Father. They know that they've been embraced even though they've made mistakes and yet they continue to choose to live into sin. And that is not a life. That is not a good life. And I just want to encourage you today to make the decision to walk away from those actions that do not bring life. And you might think to yourself, yeah, but it, it really isn't a big deal, Trent. I would just, I would call you to question that. And just to have a question, with, a conversation with yourself and invite God into that space and really ask, really, does that actually change things? Does that affect things? You know, Jesus died for us so that we could come to him, so that we could uh, have life and have it to the fullest, that our sin nature no longer has to have power over us and that we who follow Jesus can be free. We can be truly free. And for us, to that, uh, as Christians that live kind of, if you live in that miserable space where you're still choosing to sin despite what Christ has done for you, I would encourage you to turn away from that. Now, the last thing that I want to do is stand up here and make it seem as though I have it together. I walk this journey with you too. Every day, as I grow closer to the Lord, it becomes more obvious to me that there are actions in my life that need to be changed and redirected, that there is brokenness within me that I need to give back to the Father and surrender, that I need to confess and be honest with the challenges that are in my life. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we realize how good and beautiful and perfect he is and that we are over here. And that disparity, that distinction, it's, it's okay. It's okay for us to have that tension, for us to feel that we're not quite right, because it's in those moments that we can turn to Jesus fully and truly knowing what we've done and making what he did so much greater, so much grander, so much more beautiful and perfect. 
And here's the last thing I want to talk to you about sin, that sin is progressive. Sin grows, and it grows best in the dark. When you keep it quiet, sin grows best. And when you confess it, when you bring it to the light, the light is so good, and it sets us free. Jesus is able to set you free when you bring sin to the light. I can't get into your life. I can't know where you're at. I don't know your thoughts. But before this service, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would convict us in such a loving and nurturing, nurturing way, not with a finger pointing, not with this like weight and this conviction that, is, that drives you into total despair, but a loving embrace that allows you to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Sin is progressive. It takes you further than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want. It'll hurt you more than you realize. It'll draw you further and further from the Father. If you're a follower of Jesus and you continue to live in it, you will lose intimacy with God because sin and the holiness of God just can't coexist with sin. And so we lose intimacy with God and I don't want any of us to lose the beautiful intimacy that you can have with God. I want to remind you and encourage you that Jesus is a friend of sinners. That's the, that's the good news in all of this, that the bad news is, is when you acknowledge and accept that you, in fact, are a sinner, it opens us up to be embraced by the friend of sinners, Jesus Christ, who cares so deeply for you. Our actions do matter. Your sin, known or unknown, still reaps consequences. But in all of this, we can turn to Jesus. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, uh, and it's what we looked at in last week, that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. He is the way out. He is the truth that sets you free. He is the life that endures. Jesus is the way. And I know that some of you need to hear this, that some of you are trapped in sin. You're in a pattern. You're in a cycle. You've told yourself that you're not that bad, or since you've already done it, you may as well keep on doing it. And that the Holy Spirit is convicting you, drawing you to the Son, drawing you to Jesus to say, now is the time to stop. Today is the day to say, no more. I'm going to acknowledge the truth that I've done wrong and I need to change course. I need to change my actions. So I encourage you to step into his grace and out of the bondage. Step into his power and out of the snares. Step into the love and the power and the goodness, the transforming goodness of Jesus. And that when you do that, when you step out of your sin, when you confess that sin and turn to Jesus, good is in store for you. A joy that you've never known before to surrender it and acknowledge those actions and to turn away from those broken behaviors. It says this, that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. And he will do what? He will purify us from all unrighteousness. This is how good Jesus is. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. 
He is the way out of sin. He is the truth that will set you free. Our God is faithful. He cares deeply. And yes, sin exists. Our actions matter. You might pretend, you might compare and evaluate in such a way that you decide you're not a bad person. But when we let Scripture speak at us and we look at it and when we're honest in our own spirit and we allow God to speak to us, we realize we are not okay. And in that moment, we can turn to our Jesus, our Savior, and find a love and a grace and a forgiveness that can set you free and set you on a new course. And I think that for some of you, maybe just one of you, this is that day where you choose to turn away from that sin, from those actions, and say yes to Jesus for the first time. I'd like to pray, and then the team is going to come up and lead us through communion. How fitting that we have communion today. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to those that need to hear this, that you would expose, that you would shine a light in all of our lives and reveal to us again that our actions matter. Even the teeniest, tiniest ones, there is no action that goes unnoticed by you. And yet, when we confess our sins, when we turn to you, when we acknowledge the brokenness and the pains that we've done, the lies that we've, that we've said, when we do that, when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I know that there's a few of us today that have been holding off from this moment for a while. Today, Lord, I just ask that you pour out your love on them. Allow them to realize, even with the weight of conviction, that surrendering to you and coming to the cross, asking for your forgiveness, will give them life and free them from the darkness that has trapped them and ensnared them. Sin is evil and dark, Lord, and you hate it. I ask that you help us to hate it in ourselves too, that we would work hard to push it away, that we would create the boundaries that we need, that we would walk away from it, and Lord, that we would surrender the lie that our actions don't matter, that we would surrender the lie that we're not really that bad, that we would surrender the lie that if I've already screwed up, I may as well keep screwing up. I may as well stay in it. Lord, help us to take a step away from all of that and say yes to you again. Lord, we love you and we need you. We say yes to you. Amen. Very first story in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they chose an action that separated them from God and they went hiding. They tried to clothe themselves and, and they did a poor job of it. God comes looking, God comes crying, he calls, calls out to them, where are you? And when he finds them, he gives them clothes, better clothes than they ever could have imagined. From the very beginning, as we've been choosing actions that lead us away from God, God has been acting for us towards us. Today, friends, and for this week, consider that truth that he has always pursued you. He always will love you. He desires to forgive you. He is there for you. He is our God. He is bigger than any sin, bigger than any mistake, bigger than any action. And there is nothing that gets in the way of God's love for you. Turn to him this week. 
When you're in the worst of it, turn to him. When you're trapped in it, turn to him. When things are going great, turn to him. That is where life is. I encourage you in that. Go in peace. Go in the truth of God's faithfulness and his love. Amen.